Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Barrels. This is podcast number 14. We're still going. They haven't kicked us out yet. Uh, we must be doing something. I wouldn't say we're necessarily doing something right, but we're not doing something wrong enough that the uh, that the hand has told us to stop yet. So we're glad you're back. Uh, we're glad that you keep coming back and listening. And this is fun for us to do. So across the table from me is Chad Shepik. He's the director of our motor carrier group. Is that the right? Division. Division. Excuse me. The Division of Motor Carrier. Welcome, Chad. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. And I'm glad you're here. Uh, I know a little bit about the the Motor Carrier Division. We've done a talking orange on it a couple of years ago. Um, we kind of want to dive into this and, and figure out what is what are you guys doing? Um, how does it help you to all that good stuff? But before we do that... Tell me a little bit about yourself. How long have you been here? What do you do for fun? What are the good things that people need to know about Chad Shepik? I've been here, uh, October will be 20 years. Um, I'm married. I have three children, two grandchildren. Wow. Uh, we love to do outdoor activities, uh, garden, hunting, camping, fishing, uh, like to have a little hobby farm. I have a couple of cows. Yeah, we talked about those chickens, cows, cows and chickens. And you had pigs at one point. Have pigs on occasion. Yep. So enjoy those types of activities. Your wife Julie works for us. She works in Region Two. What does she do for Region Two? She's an office manager for okay. one of the engineer groups. And how long has she been here? Twenty-eight years. So did you come here because of her? I uh, came here because uh, my previous career was in the restaurant industry. Uh, there's some challenges with that, working nights, holidays, weekends, and being away from the family. And and one day she came home and said, hey, there's a job opening in the motor carrier division as an investigator. You ought to apply. So I applied and was successful. And Haven't looked back since. Haven't looked back. But I think a good place to start on this discussion is to go back and just outline the three strategic goals that we have as a department. What are those three goals? Three goals, zero crashes, injuries, and fatalities. Okay. Optimize mobility and preserve the infrastructure. Okay, so if, if everybody who's listening keeps those three things in mind, zero injuries, crashes, and fatalities, preserve the infrastructure, optimize mobility, right? And I think what's cool about your division is that it covers all of these, and we're going to kind of talk about how how you're one of the only divisions that really every day is constantly working on these three goals. Is That's that, correct. Is that cool? That is very cool. <laughs> okay. So let's start with probably the most obvious part of um, motor carriers are ports of entry. I think we see them as we're coming in and out of the state. There's a couple that are inland a little bit. Peary's, you know, not right on the border. Daniel Summit on I-40. There's one down by Price. Like there's um, a couple that just, there's ports of entries at certain places in the state. What is a port of entry for? Why do we have them? The main function of a port of entry is to monitor the size and weight of commercial vehicles. So that's uh, pr- preserving the infrastructure part of the mission. First first of all, uh, as commercial vehicles come in, they, they will be weighed and measured. Um, if they're found to be out of compliance, they'll, uh, they'll have to go through some effort, whether it's being permitted, offloaded. They may get a citation, a warning. Uh, but our, our purpose and our goal is, is to make sure every commercial vehicle is within legal size and weight limitations. Uh, for, the, for the type of vehicle, right? For the type of vehicle. Okay. Now, there's specific size and weights. We won't get into the nitty-gritty of those types of things. But, but if a load is very large, because on occasion you'll see a, an oversized load that uh, 
we've had some upwards of a million pounds and uh, 20 feet wide and maybe 18 to 20 feet tall. So we, we ensure that they're properly permitted, properly routed, so we don't uh, hit overpasses and overpass power lines and cause and traffic like challenges and those types of things. So, so that's the primary function of a port of entry mm-hmm. is to make sure that the vehicles themselves are within the right safety guidelines. They're not too heavy, too tall, too wide, that kind of stuff. And, and, and there's a safety aspect to it also. So as, as the commercial vehicles uh, enter the port of entry, we do a visual inspection uh, to ensure that they've, uh, they don't have flat tires, dragging uh, articles, brakes, uh, load securement, those types of things. And so uh, if those things are noticed, uh, we, we perform some inspections on the vehicles and or the drivers. So let's say, let's start with the vehicle. Let's say flat tire or they've got bald tires or something like that. What's the process after they go through the inspection? I mean, obviously we're not letting those trucks or those vehicles back on the road. What's the process for the driver after you found that his vehicle is out of compliance and and needs to be upgraded or whatever? We operate under what's called the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance out-of-service criteria or the inspection process. And so... Um, there's a procedure that's followed. So if violations meet a certain criteria, uh, which well, we'll just talk about out of service, uh, if they meet that criteria, then they'd be placed out of service and they'd have to be repaired prior to leaving the port. So a repair truck comes, parks in front of the truck, does the repairs. That's correct. At, in the parking lot. Or the vehicle could be towed. Okay. Away from the scene to be uh, fixed. So the truck is part of this. The driver, the driver is the other part of this. Absolutely. So there are inspections given to the driver. What, what kind of requirements do they have? What kind of inspection do you guys do at the port for the drivers of these commercial vehicles? So driver inspection, basically what we would look at is their, their qualifications. So to make sure they have the proper class of driver's license, commercial driver's license with the proper endorsements, Uh, we'd ensure that they're medically qualified. Uh, We also make sure that all their company credentials are in order, registrations, insurance, uh, and any permits they're required to have. Uh, they're also required uh, and heavily regulated on the, the hours that they drive and work. And so we'll, we'll do a verification of all those things. And, and there again, with the inspection process, there's criteria. And if they have certain violations, they could be placed out of service from upwards of uh, 34 hours uh, and down from there. But there, there are some consequences if they exceed their hours of service. Or if they don't have the proper class of license or their license is suspended or revoked, they could stay until that gets corrected. Is that, is that an often, is that a common occurrence, I guess, that the drivers are out of compliance and get, Daily. Side, get sidelined? Daily. Uh, most, let me just qualify that with most carriers, most drivers are very professional and do a great job and don't have any challenges. But there are, there are still drivers and trucks out there that, and fall they, into these these challenges. And are they typically smaller carriers, mom and pop shops, that kind of thing? Or do we find that the, the bigger companies are also having these? Boy, it's, it's it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Uh, hard to say that there's one part of the industry that has the most challenges. But so 80-20, it, it's... Or 90-10 is, yeah. you know, we, we see that type of, you know, from compliance to non-compliance type things. Now, I, I realize that as they're coming to the port, so most... The trucks all usually come through at certain times. You're pulling every truck through the port. Is that correct? That's actually incorrect. Uh, the larger interstate ports uh, have got technology, uh, bypass technology that we've uh, deployed. And, and many of the trucks uh, will actually bypass. They'll be actually measured and weighed using a weigh-in-motion scale. On, on, on the, the interstate. Main, on the interstate. 
their credentials will be checked and then we will have uh, a signal that comes to us and to them saying that they've they've passed all the requirements and they'll continue to travel. So this is like a mile up the road. It's correct. And and then a light goes on on their dashboard that says they either need to pull in or, or go through. Correct. Interesting. So most trucks do. If they don't have that system, it's required that they go through the port then? That's correct. Okay. And that's where the visual inspection happens as they're pulling mm-hmm. through. Um, is there ever a time when the driver is being squirrely, like while they're coming through, uh, just in front of the window? Like they haven't even been pulled over for inspection that your investigators or, or the people at the port say, hey, that guy's acting silly or funny, and they pull him over just for the driver. Because it's easy to say, hey, there's a flat tire. Hey, this is sure. dragging. Hey, this axle's down. Whatever it is. I'm just wondering if there's ever been an occasion where you can see into the truck enough that you're like, okay, something's afoot. Uh, and, and there are times when maybe a seatbelt's not being worn or maybe they're on a handheld device or something like that. I've not, something not seen anything. Blatant like that. Okay. I mean, I'm sure there's been times in, in people's careers that they've seen something, but I don't have a specific incident. But most of the time when the driver is in trouble, it's because we've pulled them over for something with the truck to begin with, and that's how we find that they're over hours or something like that. Well, we have a system um, that we utilize. It's called 360, and, and it's a scoring system. So as the, uh, as the truck comes down the ramp, uh, we have a license plate reader camera and a, a DOT reader camera, and it will uh, it will take a snapshot of the truck and those take a picture of those two things uh, will return a result back to us. It'll actually let us know if a carrier has history of certain violations. And so yeah. on occasion we'll do an inspection on a driver specifically because their company has a history of, of driver violations. Interesting. And it's cool. If you've, if you've been, I've been to the ports, these are cool cameras. It just, every truck gets it. It does a license plate and then that sticker on the side of the truck and the system immediately recognizes it and runs the report and, yep. and it's fast. It does an amazing job for us. It helps us select the right carriers and the right drivers to, to focus our efforts on. Which port is our busiest port? Perry Port of Entry is the busiest port. And well, let's, let's do this. Where are the ports? How many ports do we have in the state? Let's see if we can, <laughs> if we there can do There are eight this. port of entries. Okay. Uh, so we've, I'll just start at the northern end and work my way down. Okay. So the Perry Port of Entry. And that's where 84 comes into 15. Is that right? It's, it's down the road. Okay. It's just, it's just uh, south of Brigham City. Okay. Uh, the next port would be the Wendover Port of Entry, and we do both sides of the well. We do both sides of the road uh, monitoring at, at the Perry Port of Entry and at the Wendover Port of Entry. So into Utah, into Nevada. Correct. Okay. Uh, the next port would be the Echo Port of Entry. Uh, now that port is just westbound. It's the only only traffic that we monitor on that particular. Uh, so it's coming out of Evanston. Out of Evanston, okay. correct. Uh, the next port would be the Daniels Port of Entry on Highway 40. This is up past Heber. Up past Heber. And then the next port would be the Price Port of Entry. Uh, just and this a, is on Highway Six. As you're Highway going. Six, just just as you're getting into Helper, just outside of Helper. Uh, and is it just southbound? Yeah, there's only the one side. That's correct. Okay. So many call it east, south, anyway. Whatever, that, whatever. That, that direction. whatever direction that is. <laughs> all I know is that it's on the right side when I'm heading to Price. And some some interesting news about that particular location is is we've we've uh, we're working forward to to moving that port of entry to a, a little better location. Yeah, it's kind of just carved into the side of the hill. So there, we're we're going to get it to a a place that has better sight distance and an opportunity to do both sides of the road as traffic goes both directions. And then from there, we'll just go down to Monticello. 
so on Highway 491, coming uh, in and out Colorado, okay. right there. Um, then we'll go over to Kanab, and coming out of Arizona, coming out of Arizona, Arizona and St. George. Uh, we do both sides of the road, uh, coming in and out of St. George. Now St. George is a is a we have a an interesting agreement there. So we have a, a dual agency that occupy both sides of the road in St. George. So we have Arizona uh, employees that monitor Arizona rules and mm. regulations at the same time we do the Utah stuff. But they're using the same technologies we're using and the the, the camera readers and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Okay. Um, I think the St. George is probably the most visual. Like I think people would recognize that one the most just because it kind of just sits on its own. It's like right in the middle of nowhere right after you pass that welcome to Utah sign. It's right. Yep. It's right there. Correct. So, okay. So the ports are a big deal. Absolutely. Um, preserving infrastructure. We talk, you know, if, if trucks are too heavy, too tall, whatever that, that's what hurts our infrastructure. Um, and obviously trucks coming in and out of the state is the, um, there's an economic value there. Absolutely. Right? Um, so that's the, the, the ports become really, really important. A majority of our time is spent with uh, preserving the infrastructure, but the safety is a, is a huge, uh, goal of ours as we are doing all the inspections, whether it's the driver vehicle size and weight types of things, those all, all wrap it into the safety strategic goal But optimizing mobility at the port of entry is, uh, is a, an, a very important thing. So, we talked earlier about the bypass program that that, that some use at the larger yeah, ports. Yeah, keeps them going, keeps them moving. And so, just just for your information, so last year we bypassed just over two million trucks. Wow. Uh, and and an industry saving for that is is eighteen million plus time uh, time and fuel savings. Just pulling through the port and then back mm-hmm. out again. Yep. Just Eight. the time that it takes to okay. to get in the queue. Get, go through the port, the fuel that it costs, the wait time, uh, the wait time, time so, off of transport. So that's it's an amazing uh, opportunity that we have to still accomplish our mission, but still to allow uh, commerce to flow freely. Uh, we've also done some improvements in our operation. Uh, we've we've used utilizing some handheld handheld technology to verify permits and do some of our. Uh, size and weight activities in the in the parking lot rather than have the driver walk back and forth. We'll we'll meet them out there with a, a mini iPad and take care of a lot of the business. Another exciting thing we've done is uh, traditionally when a vehicle is inspected, it takes approximately an hour to do that uh, for one person to do it by themselves. They're pretty in depth too. They are. I've been through those a couple of times. Uh, So we've, we've decided to use two people. So we've, we've called it a dual inspection. And so we'll have two of our staff members actually double up on the inspection and it's going to save the carrier half the time. Uh, not necessarily will we do more work or more inspections, but it, it gets the carrier out and quicker. back on the road quicker. Yeah. Uh, and so we're we're so excited about those types of opportunities that we have to improve our operation to actually keep mobility as a as a prime focus for us too. Well, and I think about mobility too. I think when I was up with you guys at Perry, um, there was a wide load coming through, and they were out that there's a time frame that we can have these larger loads go through on our interstate uh, because the last thing you want to do is have a, a you know half of a mobile house 
stuck in rush hour traffic because they're part of that issue of, of congesting the road. And so what that was one of the things that was interesting to me is when we talk about optimized mobility and keeping our freeways moving, the amount of trucks or where the trucks are or how big the trucks are really has an effect on how easily our, our interstate systems move. And so you guys put time limits and when you can or can't do certain types of loads through certain areas. And, yeah. and I thought that was pretty cool. That is kind of a cool thing. All right. Anything else on the ports? Nope. Let's go to the, what's the next thing? What's the next big thing you guys are doing? Uh, we have a group of investigators um, that, that work out of our Salt Lake office. Uh, their primary focus is to do internal audits on trucking companies to ensure that uh, the companies are complying with all the required regulations. Uh, these audits will take from a day to a week to perform. Um, there's, there's times that, that companies may be uh, re- repeat offenders of serious violations. We'll actually issue penalties, civil penalties, to those that have knowledge and willfully continue to disobey the disobey law. The law. Um, so we have uh, a great group that, that uh, take care of that. They also do um, what's called a safety audit on, on carriers that are new in the business. So new interstate carriers, we go out and make a visit and make sure that they've got the, the right things in place to, to start their business in a safe manner. And so uh, it's a, a great part of our That's organization. Cool. So you're preemptively helping these carriers to just, hey, let's get you off on the right foot, make sure you know what's going on, but also... Keeping track of the bad guys out there. Absolutely. And education is something that, that we always do, no matter where we're at, port of entry, uh, whether it's an investigator out doing an audit. Uh, teaching people is is very important. The, the importance of what they're doing and, and some of the things that they can change to possibly reduce or never have a crash. And yeah. so that's something we always, at, at every contact, spend time doing is just trying to, to educate educate and help people. Well, and I think that brings us to the next big thing that I, I think about a lot. Um, I don't know if people understand that you're out there educating high school students too. Absolutely. That's been a great program. This is uh, at, at the pinnacle right now. I mean, it's called, it, it's Truck Smart. Truck is, Smart is the program. And is it part of the zero? Is it, it kind of falls under the zero yep. fatalities umbrella. It does. So it falls under the zero fatalities umbrella. Uh, we have uh, three instructors that, that will go out to high schools throughout the state of Utah, and they will teach the driver's ed students about trucks, uh, how to operate in and around and, and buy, and, and uh, uh, what a great program that uh, that is to, to let those new drivers hopefully learn something that, that uh, possibly could save a life. Yeah. Um, just just from a statistical perspective, this last year there were six thousand six hundred and twenty one classes taught, wow. where nineteen thousand three hundred and sixty students participated. That's cool. Uh, during this, they take a pretest to see kind of what their knowledge base is of of being of, around trucks, being around trucks, and then they have a post test to see if obviously they what they've anything. learned. Yeah. Um, I've had a daughter that went through this program. She was a student at Copper Hill several years years ago, and and uh, uh, it was amazing to hear her talk about it. You know, we, you drive past a semi often as you're traveling down the road, and, and they talk about where to be and where not to be. And if you can't see the driver in their mirror, you know, find find yeah. a different place to be. Get somewhere else, yeah. So just having her rehearse some of those things as we drive down the road was 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 meaningful to me. That's that, cool. That, that had a positive impact on her life. And so that's a that's a great program that that we continue to hope grows and, and makes a difference. Well, and I think it's there's this education thing that 
of course you want to learn as you're a new driver, but man, I'm, I'm 40 this year and I'm still nervous around trucks. I mean, and I'm, I'm an experienced driver. I've been driving for, you know, 25 years almost. And, and I was just thinking, I was on I-80 the other day and there was a truck on my left and a truck came in on my right and you get nervous. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And so we do, we want our young drivers, we want all of our drivers to understand how do you drive around trucks? How do you stay out of their blind spots? Um, it's, it, it's important. Zero crashes, fatalities, and injuries. That's part of it. Absolutely. Big cool. part of the message. Um, you drive a truck out there to these classes sometimes, don't you? Do we have a truck smart truck? We do. So we procured a, a trailer and we use the, one of the UDOT transports and we actually will tow a, a vehicle out, a trailer and and, uh, so do these students get to sit? They'll get to sit in the cab. In the cab, and they'll get to look in the mirrors. They get to they'll they'll park cars in the in the blind spots, you know, on the sides and in the front and behind, and and kind of give them a visual of. So it's pretty hands on. It's yeah. more than just hey, here's a textbook yeah. and here's some yeah. here's some printouts and good luck. Yeah. we've had amazing uh, support from the trucking industry. So prior to this last year, the trucking industry actually supplied a driver, a truck, and a trailer wow. to all these events. And That's so cool. uh, what a great partnership we have with the, the Trucking Association and their membership. Uh, they still do a majority of the of the trainings or That's bringing cool. a vehicle to those. And so cool. they see the value. I mean, that this is a, it's a heavy cost to them that they donate to educate those and to help them in return. And so, but, but I think they also understand the heavy cost of not doing this. Absolutely. Right. And, and that, absolutely. that cost is infinitely more than yeah. just, you know, spending time with students and, and these kids love it too. It's yeah. a fun class. And, you know, I've, I've, I've attended classes where uh, a driver that's, that's brought a vehicle shares from his perspective of the challenges that he faces when he drives for 10 or 11 hours, you know, people, you know, cutting in and taking yeah. the space, you yep. know, they, they try to create a space in front of them and they spend all day uh, trying to keep that trying space keep and that people space, continue yeah. to keep feeling it. And so, they, they share those things that, that uh, are a good reminder to those drivers. Well, and until you hear that perspective too, it's, uh, to me, it's important as a driver to understand the perspective of the, of a truck driver, somebody that's pulling transport, you know, we, we heading down to St. George and you get cut off by a truck and your first thought is, Oh, who does this guy think he is? Yeah. You know, but as soon as you realize fuel costs and drafting and all these kind of things that these truck drivers take into account, you know, if he gets stuck behind the truck going up the hill, it's not going very fast his time goes off, his fuel economy is way off, and it's easier for me in a family car to slow down, let him get around his truck, and then yeah. and then go past him. So yeah. kind of a cool perspective. Um, one thing that you're going to cringe when I ask you this, one thing that has kind of been in the news lately, it's, it's always in the news. It seems like it's always in Provo, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, predatory towing, explain what that is and explain why we have any sort of jurisdiction over predatory towing. If I might, let me go back. I'll answer your predatory question in a second, but, but we have, we have a, a few individuals that, that have the responsibility to oversee non-consent towing for the department and for the motor carrier division. Uh, that's another, another piece of our organization that, that many don't know about. Um, so as a, as a department, we've been, uh, given the responsibility to ensure all tow truck, motor carriers, drivers, um, and their vehicles are certified and they meet certain standards to perform these, these particular tow operations. And so 
if, if you've seen many times, you know, going down the freeway that there'll be a, a crash or a highway patrolman have somebody pulled over and there's a tow truck there. Yeah. Uh, so, so many times uh, a, a policeman uh, will have a vehicle impounded, uh, the, and, and we're responsible to ensure that, that the, the tow truck that, that is used, the driver that's there, and the company that's being used uh, meet certain standards. And uh, we oversee how much they can charge for their towing service, for their storage. Um, so the other part of that is private property. Uh, HOAs, towing. private streets, whatever it is. Or your, or your driveway. Or your my house. driveway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so predatory towing is a term that, that – uh, it's kind we of a don't use. Yeah, yeah, we don't we, use we don't, it here, but it's kind of a buzzword. So, so predatory towing uh, from from an outside perspective is is where some parking lot of some sort, an apartment complex, or a, uh, you know a, a parking lot next to a sporting event where people will park that necessarily shouldn't park. And so there's somebody that the property owner has contracted with the tow operator to ensure that their property it's and their clean. towing is kept clean or their and so they'll contract with a towing company to keep their property clean of, of unwanted vehicles. Uh, yes, this is something that, that comes up frequently yeah. that, uh, that we manage and deal with um, to make sure that, that the tow uh, company is doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, and I'll say most times, 75% of the time, as uh, we get complaints on these types of tows, uh, 75% of the time, the, the tow company was found not to have done anything wrong. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, predatory towing, the best, the best way to, to avoid that is don't park. Don't park where, where you're, you're not, not supposed, supposed to. to park. Yeah. Uh, if, if there's a sign that, you know, if you, if you enter a place and it says, you know, if you tow, if you park here, you'll be towed. Yeah. There's a good chance Pretty somebody's good chance. watching. Yep. Yep. Uh, whether it's, they're parked around the corner or. Uh, that's that, that that's possible that that could happen. Well, and these private property owners, I mean, there's reason for it. They're not just trying to be jerks. I I lived in a HOA, you know, in a townhouse community, and and if people parked on the street, the street wasn't wide enough to sure. accommodate people parking and then getting people through, and so they were strict. the yeah. The tow company was swift. And they came And they in, were probably quick. And they were quick. Like, I mean, you, if you parked on the street for more than five minutes, chances were that your car was going to be missing or booted or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but we learned really quick. People learned really, really quick. Hey, there's a reason for this. Don't park on the street. And everybody else, you know, it, it's better for everybody if everybody's obeying the rules. So... Um, but yeah, I know we, we, it always hits the news at some point. And then I know you get called in to answer a couple questions on why do we allow this to happen? And it's not that we're allowing it to happen. We're, we're making sure that those tow companies are following the right guidelines and staying within their legal yep. rights to do what they've been contracted to do. Yep. That's correct. Um, so I think we've talked about parts of your group that are kind of at the forefront, they're at the public's, like the public sees more of these groups, right? Port of entries, the guy, the people that are out doing education classes in high schools, you obviously in front of the news camera asking about predatory towing. Tell me more about, I, I, I kind of want to understand what your whole group consists of. Who are the people, who are the players, not necessarily the specific people, but who are the players sure. in the groups and, and what are their jobs for the department? So we have a couple groups in the, in our Salt Lake office that, that do uh, amazing work for us. So we have a group that is our customer service group. So they, they take all incoming calls, uh, questions about everything that has to do with trekking. 
uh, and commercial transportation. They also issue oversized and overweight permits. And so they'll, uh, they're the ones that are actually making sure that these larger, heavier loads are properly routed and that the, the carrier has all the information they need to, to operate safely. So we're grateful for them. We have another group that is our business systems group, and they take care of all of our technologies to make sure our permitting system is working and that any uh, upgrades or necessary things to make us more efficient are, are, are managed. Uh, and looking out for new technologies that will, will continue to help us improve. And so uh, grateful for, for all the individuals in the motor carrier division that actually uh, support all of our our strategic goals. Well, and it does. It takes a village with you guys. There's a lot of there's a lot of moving pieces when it when it comes to this. Yeah. I think of guys. If you get a chance, go on to go to you dot no excuse me YouTube and look up you dot on YouTube. And one of our talking oranges. This was probably our second or third talking orange we did was with the motor carriers group, and we talked about a oversized load that went from like Gallup, New Mexico to somewhere just over the border in Colorado, something like that. And it was a big, it was a transformer, it was a transformer, like a big generator or something like that, but crazy huge size, um, load that had to be routed. And I think of the work that your team had to do in order to get that from point A to point B, just as far as traffic control, local uh, municipalities and, and cities understanding what's happening, when it's happening and, and how to get through it. And, uh, so go check it out. We've got, there's some cool pictures. I think the, I think it was 162 tires on this one. I can't remember. There's a it lot. Was, it was crazy. So just, yeah, go check that out. YouTube, search for UDOT, and then Talking Orange Motor Carriers. Um, so killer team, you guys are doing great things. What's, what's one thing that you wish that people here at the department understood about your group? One thing I'd like uh, for individuals to know about Motor Carrier Division is, um, from a commercial vehicle perspective, how we uh, support and work towards UDOT's strategic goals. And you hit all three of them. You Absolutely. pretty good at, at keeping track of those three. Yep. Um, okay, before I let you go, I'm going to ask this question. I'm trying to ask this question more. You've been here 20 years. What's been your favorite moment, favorite memory uh, about working here at UDOT? Favorite memory of UDOT. Um, I'll start off with, I'm grateful to be here. Um, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be a part of an organization that, that cares about me as a person, cares about my family. Um, it's great to be part of a, uh, an organization that, that we can come to work every day and, and we have an important mission to accomplish. Um, I'm grateful for all the motor carrier division employees specifically, you know, every day, um, and just about every single day of the year, there's only a couple days that we don't work uh, or someone in the motor carrier division isn't working. So we work nights, holidays, weekends. Um, and, I'm, and I'm so grateful. I think that's a great experience for me to, to spend time with people every day that are so committed to uh, improving uh, safety, improving infrastructure, helping others, uh, industry. Um, so I'd have to say that I can't pick out one thing, but I can pick out every day and I can pick out many people That's cool. that, uh, that have had a positive impact on, on me as a person and both professionally and personally. And so uh, I would say every day is a memorable day for me cool. that, that I can, I can look at, you know, uh, many, many folks, uh, in, in the motor carrier division 
and throughout UDOT that you know, just doing amazing things. And I just, I think that's probably my best memory is every day. That's awesome. Great answer. Very cool. Chad, thank you for being here. You're welcome. I know sometimes it's like pulling teeth to sit down for an interview and hopefully this one was a little bit easier. It's wonderful. I, I always enjoy talking to you and, and we have fun visits and fun conversations. And, and uh, if you guys don't know Chad, come find him. Just come say hi. Tell him how awesome he did at this podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Chad. Thank you very much. Everybody, thank you for being here. Um, my weekly or bi-weekly plug we always want ideas for uh, beyond the barrels so send them to us beyond the barrels at utah.gov uh, grant and i see that email when it comes in so we'd love your suggestions tell us the interesting things that are happening across the department and uh, keep listening if you haven't listened to all of the podcasts they'll put you to sleep so <laughs> go back and listen to them anyway we're glad you're here keep listening and until next time uh be safe out there <laughs>